0: What's going on guys, it's Nick here, back with another video, Bull Predictions Part 2. Yesterday we went over the high-end breakout candidates, league winners, today we're doing BUS, players who could crater your lineup. We'll start things off with Najee Harris. I can predict that Najee Harris will be outscored by his teammate Jalen Warren, and it's not because of just the preseason. Obviously, you watch the preseason, you're like, wow, Jalen Warren looks exceptional, small sample size, like we're not really looking into any of that, we're not looking into really the touch split there, it was relatively even, but I don't think that's any sort of indication of what they're going to do in week one. With that being said, he did look good, obviously, in the preseason, he looked fantastic, and I think anyone watching last season was like, well, he looked good then too, every time he stepped onto the football field, Jalen Warren has looked really, really good, he's been much more efficient Najee Harris, that's both on the ground and through the air. And historically, when that happens, you're like, okay, well, this kid's a scat back, right? I mean, it's someone who is efficient on the ground, efficient through the air, but it's on limited touches. They're just someone who gets the ball on third and 10. Of course, you're going to be efficient when defenses are playing back. You're just getting these swing passes. You're getting draws on like, you know, third and 15. Sure. Yeah. You're going to average like seven yards of carry on those plays because the defense is just not giving up the first down. So, I get that concern, but Jalen Warren's not a scat back. Like, Jalen Warren is well over 200 pounds. He is someone who can handle an early down workload. He is not someone who they're just giving these easy carries to. He has mixed into difficult carries, and again, has looked fantastic in that role. The same role that Najee Harris has, just on fewer touches. These are the same type of touches. It's behind the exact same offensive line on this same offense, And so if we're saying, oh, well, Najee hasn't been good because the offense has been bad or the offensive line has been bad, Warren's playing behind the same offensive line and he's not just getting third and super long, easy plays. He's not just playing in garbage time. He's playing in the same type of games and same type of scenarios as Najee Harris. He's just been playing a lot better. Pittsburgh is definitely going to utilize both of the running backs this season. And it's going to open up with Najee Harris as a clear lead back. That is going to happen. We're not going to step into week one and Joan Warren is in a 50-50 split. But given how inefficient Najee's been in each of his first two seasons and how efficient Warren was last year and looks like he's going to be this year, I could see this trending closer to a 50-50 split by the close of the season. And remember, if Warren's more efficient, it doesn't need to be a 50-50 split. He could potentially score more fantasy points in like a 55-45 split which is definitely possible at the end of the season. Unlikely? Maybe. I mean, maybe all the things in today's video are unlikely. They're bold predictions. But I think the point is Najee comes off the board at pick 31. And Warren comes off the board over 100 picks later. It should be much closer than that. And if we're trying to draft one of them, it's obviously Jalen Warren. Next up, Ken Walker. Ken Walker will average less than one reception per game. I want to reiterate for the crowd that thinks I hate uh, Ken Walker. I don't. I think he is an elite prospect, a great running back, a fantastic early down back. And his early down workload is not really in question this season. Is it going to be, you know, 300 touches? No. But he's going to have a very large workload on the ground. And he's going to be really good with that workload. But we play fantasy football, not real football. And all I care about are fantasy points. And if you're in half PPR or even full PPR, especially scoring formats there, if Walker is averaging less than a catch per week, then that's a problem for his weekly floor, especially if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's probably not getting you anything, and his ceiling. You can only be so good if you're not catching passes in those formats. Last season, he got to 27 receptions for 15 weeks, and so he went way over the one reception per game, but that's thanks to all of the other running backs missing time with injury, biggest one being Penny, obviously, going down early in the season, but even the backups they had, the third down backs they had, everyone, every one of the other backups got injured at some point. And it was complete scrubs once they lost Rashad Penny. Well, Zach Charbonnet is not a scrub. And say what you want about Kenny McIntosh's speed. Once he's back healthy, he's going to mix in on third downs. I just find it hard to believe that Seattle would, you know, talk as highly as they have about these two running backs, draft them both, keep them both on the roster, how talented they are, Charbonnet and McIntosh, and just not use them. And not use them when they're both better in the receiving game than Ken Walker. Like if you're going to get them onto the field, that's how you do it, right? Ken Walker is the better early down back, so why overload Walker when you've got these two other running backs you like, and they're good in the receiving game? Why would you not just use them in the receiving game? Then you add in, okay, even on top of that, JSN. I mean, their first-round rookie wide receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba, he's going to play a lot this season. He's going to be healthy very early in the year, and you got to think like the number three receiver last season for Seattle had 42 targets. Like, obviously, JSN's going to blow way past that number, and that's not all coming from Lockett, from Metcalf. Those two are still going to get their targets. That's going to be taken away from the tight ends and away from the run game as well. So we might be looking at, like, this target pie for the running backs for Seattle and say, well, the pie is now smaller, and we're taking bigger slices away from these backups of Charbonnet, and McIntosh because they're better than what they had last season, and I think that's going to really eat into Ken Walker, and he's going to average less than one reception per game, which would really hurt him in half PPR and full PPR. Uh, Cam Akers will not be the highest scoring Rams running back this season. I used to be a Cam Akers truther, uh, but all these reports coming out recently have me very, very worried. It seems like Kyron Williams is going to be splitting snaps with Akers. Akers will probably get more early down work, But they're going to mix in Kyron early downs, and then they're going to have passing down snaps also go to Kyron. That's potentially a case where it's like, oh, he also gets two and four minute drills. He also gets snaps when they're losing by a lot. And if Akers is losing those snaps, those are very high upside snaps for fantasy. That's really going to hurt. And it's especially bad on a Rams team that has a six and a half win total. That's really, really bad. They have one of the worst defenses, if not the worst defense in the NFL. There aren't going to be that many games where they're up in the second half and they're trying to drain the clock with Acres, because Akers would probably be the person that use that scenario. But if they only win around six games, that's not a lot of times where we're like, nice, we're finally getting these touches for Akers. Now, I hear the crowd that likes uh, Ronnie Rivers, likes Zach Evans, uh, thinks one of them's going to be the guy. I did just disagree. I just don't think either of them are all that talented. But I think that just adds to my concern. Like, I don't even think the other two running backs on this roster are any good. And I still feel pretty awful about Cam Akers just because Kyron is also there. And Kyron is getting a lot of hype. And Kyron was getting hype before his injury last season. And so, I don't know. I just, I don't feel very confident in Cam Akers. And then you're like, okay, could they produce in a split? Not really. Like, if we have a two or three running back committee, probably a three running back committee... On a team that scored the fewest fantasy points for running backs in the entire league last season, we're taking the smallest pie in the league and we're dividing it up. How are we really going to rely on Cam Akers? And again, because he's not getting those valuable passing down snaps, there is definitely a low floor here. And I think that one of these backups could surpass him in fantasy. Next up, Marquise Brown will not be the highest scoring Cardinals wide receiver this season. Now To be fair to Marquise Brown, this actually isn't really a take that's like hammering against Marquise Brown. I don't love him as a pick. But I wanted to talk about this uh, because I think we have like an interesting scenario with the Cardinals, right? Because the Cardinals are going to be bad. They are projected to be the worst team. They probably want the number one or number two pick this season. And so they're going to do what it takes to get there. And so I think with this take, I'm actually saying... I'm not confident Marquise Brown's going to be on the team at the end of the season. Like, again, Arizona wants to be bad. Marquise Brown's still a very good player. Marquise Brown is a free agent at the end of the season. I don't know if it's really in their plans to sign him. And if they're going to full tank mode, why not feature Michael Wilson? Why not see what you have in Trey McBride? And while you're at it, why not get picks for Marquise Brown since. We know that there are teams, if he's performing well, that will want to use him later in the year. And honestly, if Brown is traded, it's probably a good thing for his fantasy value, given that we don't really know when Kyler's returning this season. So you got to think, like, who's trading for him, right? A team that's trading for him is a contending team, and a contending team probably has a decent offense. And so it'll be a situation upgrade, even if you don't love being traded midseason, because that kind of creates a transition period where... They're not fully acclimated to the offense. It just takes them a little bit to get going. Once they do get going, you got to think he's going to be better than he would be on Arizona with pretty poor quarterback play. So I guess not exactly a bold prediction on a bust, but uh, hey, it's my video. I can do what I want. Uh, I think the main takeaway here is I like Michael Wilson and Drafts in this potential scenario. I like Trey McBride if they're going to maybe lean towards a little bit of youth. And I just really think that there's a chance that you know Marquise Brown is not the highest scoring wide receiver on this team because they go with some of these other players and they trade him away. Again, not saying he's going to bust, but maybe we should be looking at some of these other wide receivers on Arizona. Very, very late in draft. So obviously like Michael Wilson's around like 17 or 18 pick. Uh, Pat Frymuth will finish outside the top 15 tight ends this season. I do think Pat is a good prospect. And I think, you know, on a lot of teams, he would have a really good year. And I think Pittsburgh is going to be better than a lot of people expect this season. But when you look at all the players they have i just don't see how he's going to have a lot of targets like Deontay will continue commanding a million targets Deontay is just a target hog that's what he's going to do george pickens you know has clearly taken a step forward this season he's going to command a lot more than last year the running backs will be heavily involved in the ground they really want to run the ball effectively this season run the ball a lot but they're also going to command targets through the air like naji are still good running backs in the receiving game so pat is At best, the fifth option on this offense. And while I think, again, the Steelers are going to be good, I don't think they're going to be elite. Like, they're probably going to be around a league average offense. And to be the fifth option on a league average offense, that's not amazing. Uh, And then you think about, like, all the sleeper tight ends this season. There's a lot of tight ends we like late in drafts. Many of them are probably going to bust. But a few I think could have breakout seasons. Like Sam Laporta should open the season as the fourth option for Detroit. Detroit's, you know, a very, very good offense. Uh Chica Conquo should be number four in Tennessee. Luke Musgrave. Seems to be commanding a very hefty target share even as a rookie in Green Bay. Jawan Johnson apparently has a really good connection with Derek Carr. And don't forget, he was the tight end eight last season. He can score touchdowns. Even uh, Jake Ferguson going like seven or eight rounds after Pat Friermuth. Uh He's getting a lot of hype. He could be a key piece of the Cowboys offense this season. So... Like Obviously, all those tight ends are not going to outscore Pat, but I think my point is that like there are plenty of late-round options, and there are a lot of better ways to spend an eighth-round pick. There are still some, you know, the back end of these high upside running backs left. There are some really good wide receivers still on the board. Maybe you can start to get the end of the quarterback range. Probably not looking quarterback in that range, but running back and wide receiver is a really good spot to get them. I'd rather do that than take Pat and hope that, he commands more targets than last season, which would be weird, right? Like, if you were to think, compared to last year, you know, a little bit more competition if they use Jalen Warren more, Uh, you know, Pickens obviously is going to command more, Allen Robinson they're talking about, like, definitely utilizing from the slot. Uh, we've had Calvin Austin get a little bit of hype for someone they want to use deep downfield. You take all of that and you're like, well, he was 15th in points per game last year. So for him to expand on those numbers, he's going to need to get more targets, get more touchdowns, And I think the opposite could happen. He can have less, and so bold prediction, outside the top 15 tight ends this season. Uh, Aaron Rodgers will not finish the top 20 fantasy quarterback. Now, I think Rodgers is great. The signing was amazing. It's going to really help out the Jets' offense. Uh, The connection between him and Garrett Wilson will be great. I love Garrett Wilson. Preface with all of that. But it's fantasy again. After Wilson, you've got Al Mazzard, Mikul Hardman, Randall Cobb, Tyler Conklin, and Jeremy Rucker. So, not amazing, right? That's well below average, we'll say, for pass catchers. Um, Obviously, the running backs are good, but the running backs are also good on the ground. And we know that Rodgers likes to play slow. And we know that their defense is elite, and they're going to lean on that. And so, there's probably going to be a lot of games where they're efficient on offense— Garrett Wilson's shredding defenses. He's connecting with Cobb because apparently Cobb's going to be a thing this season. Uh, Alan Lazard's doing well, but that they're up, that they can play slow, that they can lean on the running backs in the second half, that the defense is able to hold teams to a lower point total. And so they don't need to score 30. They can win games with 23 or 24 points. And that's not great. That's going to have Rodgers, again, be very efficient, but maybe hover around 220, 230 passing yards each week. So, not really hitting, if you have a bonus in your league for 300, not really hitting 300 all that often. Uh, again, being efficient, but not necessarily scoring, you know, three, four touchdowns every week. The running backs are good. The running backs are going to score touchdowns. I don't know. I'm a little bit scared that we're going to get into this like nightmare scenario where he's good every week, but we're like, you're not throwing that many pass attempts. And when you do, like, yes, Garrett Wilson's playing well, but it's not like Randall Cobb and Mecole Hardman and Alan Lazard are world beaters. And so a little bit scared of the volume there, uh, a little bit scared that, you know, in a 10, a 12-team league, you kind of look at the numbers he's posting and you're like, I mean, he's not killing me, but he's not doing that great. And there are some really, really good quarterbacks this season that have a lot of upside I don't really see a ceiling with Aaron Rodgers, and so bold prediction, outside the top 20, not someone you really want to be going after. So, that'll do it for this one. Uh, If you want to see my full rankings, full projections for every player, see it on my website, thefantasyfootballadvice.com. And if you want to see that and my top 60 must-draft players this season, all for free, all you got to do is sign up for your first underdog account today using promo code FFA. Do that and make a minimum $10 deposit, and you'll not only get that deposit doubled up to $100, so if you put in $75, dollars they will turn it into $150, you'll get my rankings, my projections, my custom rankings, you get all my underdog content all season, and again, my top 60 must draft players list, you get all of that for free the following morning, I'll email you login information, so you're not going to get it that day, you're going to get it the following morning. With that, my friends, is in this one, hope you all enjoyed. If you did, have a link the like button, have subscribe to the channel if you're new here. Thanks for watching.